Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. It's often said that every page of the Bible is a love letter from God. So it shouldn't be surprising to find Jesus on every page as well, even the Old Testament. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares how the Old Testament is so filled with Christ that Jesus used it to teach about himself. To introduce the conclusion of his message, is he from the Old Testament or the New Testament? Here's David. Well, one of the things you may not know about Jesus is that he is the focus of attention from the beginning of the book of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament scriptures. The Old Testament looks forward to the coming of Jesus, and everywhere you look, if you have that in your grid, you see how that works, how it how it fits. The passages that you never really understood before come alive because you realize uh, that they're centered in the person of Jesus Christ. We hope we'll get you focused on that just a little bit in this series. Today we're going to take part two of Is He from the Old Testament or the New Testament? And we'll get to that study in just a moment. Friends, every day on radio and television, Turning Point is spreading the Word of God. We are on so many radio stations in America, over three thousand radio stations now carry Turning Point five days a week. Some of these stations carry the program two times, some of them three times a day. So we are blanketing uh, this country with the Word of God. I truly believe that's the one thing that can make a difference as we go forward. But not only were you doing this on the radio, we're also doing it on television. As you know, we have a television program every weekend that's on many of the national networks and many local stations as well. And now Turning Point is also on television every day. First of all, on TBN, you can see us every day. You can find us on Daystar, on the NRB TV network, on the Family Entertainment Television Network, on the Cowboy Channel, and on WLMB TV 40 in Toledo, Ohio. For a full list of all of our daily television releases, you can go to our website. There you will find all of the television stations and networks that carry us every day. Why are we doing this? Because we believe that the Word of God is the only answer we have in this very confused and desperate generation. As you pray and give and support this ministry, it's not hard for you to understand what we're up to. Our one goal and one purpose is to make sure the Word of God is available to people everywhere, not just in this country. I've just told you about what's happening in America, but we are also all over the world in several languages and in all the media opportunities that God has provided for us. Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your support, especially at this particular time. Well, let's get back to our study of this question. Do you know Jesus? Is there a Jesus you may not know? Perhaps you'll learn something about him today that will encourage you and help you through the day. Let's begin. 
Moses had, I think, the hardest job anybody has ever had. Because according to the Bible and according to God, they have a tendency to be somewhat stubborn. And if you haven't figured it out, Israel kept getting themselves in trouble. Well, in the book of Numbers, in the 21st chapter, Israel's in a lot of trouble. They've done some very bad things. Don't have time to go into all the detail. But God was fed up with it. And so he sent some punishment to get their attention. He sent them snakes. The Bible calls them serpents, but they're just snakes. Mean, ugly snakes. Snakes everywhere in Israel. And they were poisonous snakes. And if you got bit by one of these snakes, you just, was it. You were done. Nothing to do but die. And Moses pled with God to take this punishment away. Moses felt responsible for the fact that the people were sinning. He begged God to take this plague from his people. And God spoke to Moses and told him, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit anyone in the camp, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Why don't we ask Jesus? Jesus explained it in John 3, 14 and 15. This is what he said. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The people in the wilderness looked to the serpent, and they were healed. And when you and I look to Jesus on the cross, when we feel the regret and pain of what we have done and our sinful choices, The remedy is never to try to heal ourselves. The remedy is simply to look to Jesus and accept what he's done on the cross. To look to the cross and say, I know you're there for me. You paid the penalty for my sin. And when we look to the cross, has the same effect upon us as what happened in the Old Testament when those who had been bitten by the serpent looked to the serpent on the pole and they were healed. It's a perfect illustration of Jesus. And where is it? It's in Numbers chapter 21. That's in the Old Testament. That's Jesus in the Old Testament. And then number four, there's Jesus, the forsaken Savior. Let's move out of the history books. Let's move out of the Pentateuch. Let's move to the books of David and the books of the prophets. We'll stop along the way in the book of Psalms and we'll find our way in Psalms to one of the great Psalms in the Bible, Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, the psalmist describes the crucifixion. I want you to just think about this for a moment. I wish we could open our Bibles and go through all the different verses, but let me just give you the gist of it, and you can write it down in your notes. In Psalm 22, we have a prediction of the words that Jesus would say while he was dying on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. In Psalm 22, we have a description of the nature of his suffering and death, verse 7. 
In Psalm 22, we have the exact words that were flung at him by the bystanders at the cross. In Psalm 22, we have the story of the dehydration and loss of bodily fluids that were involved in his terrible death at crucifixion. In Psalm 22, we have a history of the disjointed position of his body. In Psalm 22, we have a record of his intense thirst. In Psalm 22, we have a record of the piercing of his hands and feet. In Psalm 22, we have the unclothed state of his body in death. In Psalm 22, we have the gambling away of his garments by the executioners. In Psalm 22, we have his declaration of victory at the resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 22 was written 1,000 years before Jesus died on the cross. Even more amazing is, when Psalm 22 was written, crucifixion was unknown in the world. Crucifixion didn't come until 500 years later. Crucifixion is the most cruel kind of execution. And in the days before the Romans had power, crucifixion was not used. And when David wrote this, 1,000 years before it happened on Mount Calvary, there wasn't even any knowledge of crucifixion. They wouldn't know what it was been. And yet David described it literally in a psalm that was written 10 centuries before it actually happened. You ask me why I believe in Jesus. It's not because I have this wonderful emotional feeling in my heart. I've done a little work I realize that this Jesus that I put my faith in is worthy of my trust, not just because I'm a man of faith. I also happen to be a man of evidence, and the evidence for Jesus is so powerful that any thinking person who would religiously study it would have to come away with the realization that this is unlike anything there is in the history of the world. One more before we close. He's the seed of the woman. He's the Passover lamb. He's the fiery serpent. He's the forsaken Savior, and he's the suffering servant. Now let's pass from Psalms to the prophet Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is replete with the message of Jesus, the information about his coming. Let's just stop for a moment and think about Christmas, if you will. In the book of Isaiah, which is sometimes called the fifth gospel, The Messiah is to be born of a virgin. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will come from Galilee. He will be born a child, a son. He will be the Prince of Peace who will inherit the throne of his father, David. He will be anointed by the Holy Spirit. He will possess remarkable traits of character and personality and do something so extraordinary on a mountain that the shroud of death covering all nations will be destroyed. Isaiah wrote all about his birth 700 years before he was born. And when you come to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, you have the story again of his crucifixion. You know these words. Let me read them. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Isaiah wrote those words as if he were standing at the end of history and it had already happened. All these words are in the past tense. He's not saying here he will do this. He's saying he has done this. Isaiah stood in his prophetic role at the end of history and said, before it ever happened, this is what's going to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ. The entire 53rd chapter of Isaiah contains a picture of Jesus Christ so vivid and so detailed that it's difficult to conceive that it was written seven centuries before Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. Many scholars have said Isaiah 53 is the most important chapter in the Old Testament. Because here we have the prophet telling us about the Savior. We have his prophecy 700 years before. Then we have the record of what happened, which has been attested to by secular historians. If a man 700 years before he was born had this prophesied about him, and everything was perfectly fulfilled. I don't mean almost, or he just almost did this. Every one of these prophecies were fulfilled to the exact degree. People who do possibility studies, mathematicians, have written about what would the odds be of 48 of these prophecies being fulfilled in exact detail. And the number that they came up with is not possible for me to say. I can't even describe it. Here's the take on it. It's more than the entire atoms on the earth. Not people, atoms. In other words, it is absolutely, absolutely impossible that this could have happened and it not be the miraculous hand of God in the middle of it all. Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah There isn't any question about it. Any thinking person, any honest, reasonable person who goes to the study of it will come away not doubting, but with their hands up high in faith. I have at least five books in my office of people who started out to disprove all this. In the midst of the study, they became Christians. (laughs) One year while visiting Europe, Richard Gans, who grew up in New York City, he was attending a Hebrew school He was an Israelite of an Israelite, worshiping in his local Jewish synagogue. His father suffered a fatal heart attack, and because of that, he turned away from Judaism. He spent years in rebellion against God. Through undergrad and graduate school, he excelled at the top of his class and became a successful psychotherapist. And he still had no strong religious practices in his life at all. In essence, he was a Zionist, but he was not practicing Judaism. One year, while he was visiting Europe, Gantz found accommodations at a place called Labrie, the Christian retreat center that was founded by Francis Schaeffer. A man there, Hans van Seventer, engaged Gantz in conversation and asked this Jewish man if he could read a passage to him from the Bible. As Gantz listened, he grew very angry. He thought, doesn't he know what he's doing, reading this Christian stuff to a Jew? The passage brought to his mind images of Christ on the cross and Renaissance paintings of Jesus dying and rising again. The passage spoke of a suffering Savior whose hands and feet were pierced, who died for the sins of the world and who rose again. Finishing the reading, Hans asked, what do you think? 
And Gantz replied, anyone who was there at that cross could have written that stuff. What does that prove? And Hans handed Gantz the Bible open to the passage he had read. And Gantz said, the name that I saw at the top of the page was Isaiah. Hans had been reading to me from my Jewish Bible, from my Hebrew scriptures. And I felt as though someone had taken a sword and cut me to pieces. Hans then told me, as I sat with my eyes transfixed on the name Isaiah, that it was written 700 years before Jesus was born. I felt as if I had been stabbed. And I knew at that instance that if Jesus wrote history about himself, and it was in my Jewish Bible, that if the Gentile God was the Jewish God, that he was truly God, and I had to submit everything in my life to him. And that day I knelt and became a Christian. The God who put that all together in Isaiah and in the New Testament was none other than the God you and I worship and his son is Jesus Christ. So when we look at these things from the Old Testament, what do we learn? How do we process this in our own daily lives? Just a couple of things and we're finished. First of all, when you do this little study that we've done today, what happens is you strengthen your faith. You know, I'm getting so tired of people saying, oh, you Christians, you believe anything. Somebody tells you to believe it, and you believe it. No, I don't believe anything. I believe what the Bible says, and I've done some homework to find out that what the Bible says is not just true because it says it's true. It's true because it's been proven to be true. The Bible tells you the truth. And this Jesus, who is the miracle out of this process, is the Jesus who says to you and me, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. We may not like that. We may think that's pretty exclusive, but it's true. If Jesus could do what he did in the old and the new, he proves who he is. And that gives me such great comfort. When I have a doubt, when I have a concern about my faith, as we all do on occasion, one of the best things you can do is go back and read Psalm 22. And when you get done with that, go read Isaiah 53 and realize that was written 1,000 years and 700 years before it ever happened in the New Testament. So... It will affirm your faith. Knowing Jesus from the Old Testament reassures our faith. And it revives our hearts. Do you remember when the two disciples went on this walk on the road to Emmaus? It was after Jesus died on the cross, and these two guys were going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And on the way, they were talking with each other about how disappointed they were because they thought Jesus was going to be their king. And all of a sudden, somebody started walking along with them. This is one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. And they didn't know who it was. The Bible actually says that Jesus caught up with them. In other words, they were walking slowly. So Jesus started walking real fast, and he caught up with them, and he got in step with them. So now they're having this conversation, Jesus walking along with them. They're talking about how they had hoped that Jesus was going to be the one who would relieve them from their bondage. And the one they were talking about was walking along with them. And they didn't know it. And finally they get to the turnoff to go to their house, and they go to their house, and the Bible says that when they were breaking the bread, in the breaking of the bread, they realized who it was who had been with them, and then he departed from them. In the breaking of the bread, they saw the prince of the nails in his hands, and they realized that the one they had been talking to was the Jesus they had thought was a done for, and he was never going to be back again. 
And Luke 24, 32 says this about the conversation they had about Jesus. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Those two disciples knew something was going on. Jesus opened the scriptures to them. And what did he do? He opened the Old Testament scriptures. And the Bible says that he taught them from the Old Testament scriptures concerning himself. And the result of it was it revived their hearts and they were filled with joy and excitement. That's what happens when you realize that he's the Jesus of the old and the Jesus of the new. And then knowing Jesus from the Old Testament will restore your hope. Romans 15, 4 says this, For whatever things were written in the Old Testament were written for our learning that we might have hope. We have hope. It's not a hope-so hope. It's a no-so hope. We know that Jesus is who he claims to be. Well, I hope you understand now that when you read the Old Testament, you're not putting Jesus on hold until you get to the new. You're finding Jesus, as the author said, on every page. In his book on biblical prophecy, Herbert Lockyer told a story about a famous magician named Harry Houdini. Harry Houdini could escape any set of locks known to men. Once in Paris, a local magician claimed that he could do anything Houdini did. And he offered to have himself locked in a cage secured by one of Houdini's special padlocks. The man had secretly discovered the combination through an accomplice. And he knew he could easily free himself. But unfortunately for him, Houdini suspected a trick. And he changed the combination on the lock. And the next day, the poor magician tried in vain to extricate himself as the crowd jeered. Finally, Houdini stepped forward and gave the man the new code. It was a five-letter combination. Here was the new combination. F-R-A-U-D. Fraud. <laughs> Lockyer said, the one who worked out the combination was the one who could unlock it. In like manner, the one who gave those Old Testament prophecies as a lock knew the combination, and he alone can unlock the mysteries. Here is that word that unlocks the mysteries of the Old Testament. It's the word J-E-S-U-S. Make sure the promised Messiah is your Savior. Study his portrait and always remember the combination to a life of joy and victory is the simplest formula in the world. It's simply J-E-S-U-S. -S. He's the Jesus of the old, and he's Jesus of the new. Find him in the old in picture. Find him in the new in his presence. Find him in the old in all the types. Find him in the new as he lives out his life in Israel. Most of all, find him in your heart. Realize that God has created you with a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. He put the combination there. And if you don't respond to the combination he put in your heart, you'll always have an empty place in your life. He built you, men and women, with a space that only he can fill. You can try to stuff it with everything else, but it never is right. It isn't until Jesus comes to live in your heart that you can say, 
oh, so that's what I've been looking for. So that's what I've been waiting for. I recommend him to you. I'm not preaching about Jesus so you'll know more about him. I'm preaching about Jesus so you'll love him more in your life and want him more in your everyday experience. He's the real deal. He's the only one who can bring the satisfaction to your heart. You were created for him. Amen. Amen. What a thrill it is for me to be able to just talk about Jesus like that every single day through the whole month of May. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, I've actually written a book about it. And on every page of this book, you're going to learn about Jesus. The book is called The Jesus You May Not Know. It's our resource for the month of May. This 250-page hardback book has uh, in it the answers to 10 questions like the ones we have been exploring. Is he from history or from eternity? Is he from the Old Testament or the New Testament? Is he the son of Mary or the son of God? Is he the teacher of truth or the truth to be taught? These questions will help you learn about Jesus in ways you never imagined. The book is yours for a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of May. Ask for your copy today when you send your gift to Turning Point. We'll see you tomorrow. The message you just heard originated at Shadow Mountain Community Church with Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Share with us the difference Turning Point is making in your life. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 70509, RPO Oak Street, Vancouver, B.C., B6M 0A3. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, The Jesus You May Not Know. It's written to give you a deeper intimacy with Christ, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard Version, as well as the New International Version, and in standard or large print in the New King James, all with helpful notes and articles by Dr. Jeremiah. Contact us today. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we're living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. 
That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. 